Good morning and welcome everyone. We're so glad that you're here and we're glad you made the time change. Woo! And for those of you online, we're glad that you're with us too. And um, I just want to remind you, if you have any questions or um, prayer requests, there's a link. You just press uh, prayer request prayer and then uh, we have some hosts that will give you a private um, um, time to, with them and uh, go ahead and give them something to do. Uh, my name is Kathy, in case I haven't had the chance to meet you. Bethany is actually here. She's in the back today, um, but I'm just filling in for her while she's our producer. Um, so now we're going to uh, start our call to worship. I have a scripture, uh, Psalm 66. If you are able to stand, I, w- I welcome you to stand with me in mind or, or body. And um, I'll read um, Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. So why don't you join us in singing our first worship song? It's a new one. This is the second time we're doing it.
Well, in times like these, our, that our world is facing right now, it can be so easy to become discouraged, angry, confused, and overwhelmed. God's word reminds us that even when we face such devastating, uncertain times, God, our loving Heavenly Father, is and always has been absolutely in charge. He is seated on the heavenly throne as the Ancient of Days. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet Isaiah challenges the people of Judah and Israel to remember and have confidence that God's eternal character will take care. He asked them, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord, shall re- he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if you'll join us in proclaiming that God is the Ancient of Days, He's the God reigning over all as the King of Kings.
suffering. Lord, I just pray as the ancient of days that you will give them the strength they need, the confidence that they know that you're there by their side, and I lift them up, and I just pray that you will give them exactly what they need, exactly when they need it. Please, Lord, protect them. We love them, too, and we want, we want them to get through this. And Lord, for everyone that's here today, I just pray that you will uh, prepare our hearts and our minds and open us up to receive the blessings that you can bring for our suffering and that we will learn something from you today and hear your word. I give it all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Rebecca Suarez, and it is a pleasure to see, actually, it's a pleasure to see so many faces here in person this morning. I honestly thought there would be a lot less people with the hour less of sleep. Um, I'm a little bit grumpy this morning, so pardon me, getting one hour less of sleep does not do me any good. So I'll do my best to smile and keep things going here with the connections. Um, now that you know a little bit about me, we'd like to know a little bit about you. If you wouldn't mind filling out your connection card, if you're here in person, each row of seats would have one. Fill it out, provide us with your contact information, and if you have any prayer requests you want to put on there, we have a lovely space for that. Um, if you have any praise you want to share, we certainly would love to have that shared with the entire church as well. All right, so some things we've got going on here at Springbrook. Um, this is your last weekend to register for How to Study the Bible. Um, this is an eight-week workshop that's going to help you deepen your um, ability to study and read the Bible. If you haven't taken it yet, I certainly advise it. It's a great class. It's I'm going to leave you feeling a lot more mature and a lot more confident about your ability as you read the Bible. To find out more, you can go to springbrook.org slash Bible. Additionally, uh, we also have a two-week workshop coming up with uh, Starting Point. This is just a really good place for you to kind of learn more about Springbrook and what we're about. Um, if you're looking for a way to get connected, this is definitely the right, right place to be for that. That's going to start on Wednesday, March 24th. This is going to be a Zoom workshop. It's two weeks. To find out more, visit springbrook.org slash connect. 
Something exciting coming up next month, we're heading into Holy Week. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the details with Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday, please do visit springbrook.org slash Holy Week to learn a little bit more about what's going to come up during that. And finally, um, while you're laying in bed tonight and you're exhausted because you lost that hour of sleep, download the app if you haven't done so. I'm going to be a little honest up here. I had the app, the old app on my phone. I got rid of it. Don't tell Rich. I got rid of it. I I didn't use it. I downloaded the new app last week, and it's amazing, you guys. If you have not done it, please do so. There's so much information. It's so well laid out. It's user-friendly. It's just fantastic. It's a great resource. So if you have not yet done so, go ahead and text Springbrook to 77977 to get more on that. And at this time, I'd like to invite Pastor Rich out as we have a lovely baptism this morning. Thank you, Rebecca. And when you're doing that app, if you're on the app store, make sure that it's green and not blue. There's two Springbrook churches uh, we found out. (laughs) So listen, we are so glad that you are with us today. Today is a special day. We get to celebrate a baptism service. And so baptisms are an opportunity for somebody that has made a faith commitment to publicly confess their faith in Christ. And so this is an exciting day. Um, The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And so I just get this image of all of heaven rejoicing uh, with our brother Brett Caldwell this morning. So Brett's going to come out. He's going to tell us a little bit about his story, about where God's been at work in his life. And uh, Brett, I just want to let you know uh, what an encouragement it has been for me uh, to see you and your family and Jamie uh, getting connected here to to Springbrook. I know that you and uh, Rick Abbott have been working uh, extensively going through our Celebrate Recovery material. I think you guys have finished all those uh, STEPS classes, and so we're going to be launching Celebrate uh, Recovery next month, and so you'll get to hear a little bit more about that uh, soon. But uh, uh, Brent, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what was your life like before uh, you came to discover your need for a relationship with Christ? What was your life, what did it look like? Well, I did grow up going to church, but I didn't. There you go. I did grow up going to church, but I didn't really have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I was going to church every Sunday, kind of going through the motions. Um, and most recently, say five years ago, I really um, realized the need for a relationship with Christ. Um, I was at a very low point in my life. I had a lot of problems, a lot of social problems. Um, and I was blaming others for those problems yeah. and, and not really looking at my part in it. Yeah, so you're going through life trying to figure things out. At what point did you discover uh, who Jesus is? Tell us a little bit about uh, how you happened to make a faith commitment. Well, my sister saw um, how, how I looked and how things <laughs> were not going so well in my life. And she was a part of AA, and she said, you know, I, I really think that they can help you. She realized that I had a problem with alcohol, and, and she was in the program as well. Mm-hmm. And through the program of AA, I learned how to develop a spiritual relationship. And I, um, I always looked at my higher power as, as Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've heard stories about, well, you can make your higher power or anything, and that's yeah. true in AA. Um, a lot of people make it the, the group or the fellowship. But for me, it was always Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an important uh, part of one's faith journey when they realize that it's not just a higher power, but a loving God uh, that cares for you, that wants a personal relationship with you. And there's, there's a difference between, you know, believing in God and having a relationship with God and trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
And so I know that that's, uh, it's been a privilege for me to be able to just to kind of get to hear a little bit about your faith story. I'm really looking forward to what God's going to be doing in your life. What's something that you're looking forward to uh, as you step out in, in faith? Um, I'm looking forward to Jesus continuing to light my path, um, allowing me and giving me the opportunity to serve others, um, serve my family. Um, You know, anytime we have issues at home, I feel like I'm able to be the head of the household and bring my spiritual relationship. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is now in you and kind of guiding you and directing you. So that's my prayer for you, that you'll just continue to have an ever-increasing sense of His presence in your life. I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. Let's get you baptized. That's a warm minute. Don't go sleep in there. (laughs) Brett, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he rose from the grave and when he comes back, he's going to be coming to claim you to be with him? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose. There you go. All right. (laughs) Outstanding. Hey, congratulations, brother. Thank you. Yeah, that was right there. Hey, we're so glad that you are are with us this morning. Hey, if you have any questions uh, about baptism, about how to have a relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you to to let us know. Um, It is exciting uh, when someone comes to understand their need for a relationship with Christ. That's why we exist. We exist to reach our community for Christ and make disciples. And that's the beginning part of what that looks like. You know, we want to help people enter into the fullness of understanding how to have a relationship with Christ and then be able to experience Uh, what that looks like. So if you've got any questions, please uh, be sure uh, to let us know. If you're watching online with us this morning, uh, there's a place for you to uh, talk with one of our online hosts. And so you can uh, just click that link. There's a place for you to, uh, uh, you can pray, they'll pray with you. If you've got any questions about baptism, uh, you can engage with our online hosts uh, online. Uh, But if you're here in person with us this morning, you've got that welcome slip uh, that that Rebecca mentioned a little bit ago. And so on the back of that is a place for you to indicate if you've got any questions about our relationship with Christ or about baptism, um, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. And there's a place for you to put that in the back uh, on your way out. Well, this morning we're looking at uh, overcoming anxiety. And uh, it was interesting because as I was working on the message this past week, you know, I was thinking, hey, I'm supposed to be teaching on overcoming anxiety, but there's a lot of anxiety (laughs) in my life. And so, you know, anxiety is one of those things that uh, uh, can be difficult to navigate. People are all different places with regard to how they react uh, to their environment, to the things going on around them. Uh, My grandmother was born in uh, 1900, 1901 to be exact. And uh, her and I used to talk about, um, you know, just the issues that were surrounding her growing up as a kid. And so the stories that she would tell uh, were absolutely fascinating. She grew up at uh, a time during World War I, we had the Spanish flu, uh, World War II. And so she used to tell these stories. All my grandparents and my family, a lot of them are military, and so they'd tell us stories about the things that they were involved in. And, and so it just seems like the, the, the dynamic has been that there's always been something going on in the world uh, to cause us anxiety. And so this is not a new problem. And so people have always been anxious <laughs> from the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, when they fell in the garden, what they did they do? They, they hid from God. <laughs> and so there was, there's been anxiety from day one. So real issue is, is how do we cope with it? How do we handle our anxiety? You know, when the uh, um, 
just our world population has just been exploding. Back in the 1400s, um, the world population was about the same as the entire population of the United States right now. There's like 390 million people uh, on the globe uh, back in 1400s. And as you uh, kind of move through time, you can see that population starting to grow. When the United States became a nation in 1776, you realize there was not even a billion people on the planet. Wasn't even a billion people on the planet. And so as you move through time, I remember... Uh, uh, 1776, I, uh, I used to collect those bicentennial quarters at, uh, in 1976, and so it was a big deal. When, when our country became a nation, there wasn't a billion people on the planet. And then I can remember going into high school, and uh, the world population was approaching 5 billion, and people were talking about, you know, just how, you know, how uh, the population's getting dense, and you know, they started talking about the problems in our, in our culture. And, and I can remember as just a young kid thinking, wow, you know, almost 5 billion people, that's a lot. Do you realize today um, there's almost uh, 8 billion people on the planet? 8 billion people on the planet. So the world population is just exploding. It's exponentially folding in over on itself. And so as we get closer and closer in our relationships and as the world population grows and as things happen, it starts to happen at a global scale. It just seems like we're just, we're overwhelmed with information and relationships, right? And then if it doesn't make that any worse, you can, all you have to do is pick up your cell phone or look at the news, and it's just like it, you're bombarded with, with information. There is so much out there uh, to be overwhelmed with. You know, we are in the information age, and so the, the key for us today is not about learning. It's not about gathering information. What's important for us today is to how to filter out those things that we don't need to know. I mean, there's just too much to know out there. And so we have to work today to be intentional about filtering out what we don't need to know so that we don't get distracted. And so this series on the Sermon on the Mount uh, from Jesus really is designed to help us to be able to eliminate our distractions and focus on the reality of what? Of heaven. Jesus is teaching on the reality of the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in the midst of his teaching, he's, he's contrasting for us the difference between the things of this world and heaven. And so we are moving through life in the world. We've got one foot firmly planted in it, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It happened when Christ was born at his death, his resurrection. We're experiencing the kingdom of heaven now, and we're in these two worlds until Christ returns. And at some point where we're going to spend eternity either in heaven or apart from God in heaven, based on what we've done with relationship with Christ. And so one of the most important things for you to get out of this series, we're in for eight weeks, is the understanding that Jesus is teaching to focus us on the issue of heaven and how to make those things first in our life and, and make that a priority. We live in a world, but the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, we live in this world, but our priorities, our lives should be focused on the reality of heaven. We have three more weeks in this series together, and I just want to encourage you to, to understand as we go through this series, as we prepare to finish it up, we all have to make a choice about which reality we're going to be focused on. Are we going to be distracted by the things of this world, or are we, as Jesus encouraged us, going to keep our eyes focused on heaven? It's a choice, and every one of us has to make it. You know, and if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you're not going to be able to experience the fullness of this kingdom today or in eternity. You know, we started our series by looking at the Beatitudes. You know, blessing from God comes from our relationship with Christ and our focus on Him. We can expect persecution in this world. We can expect trials and tribulations here on earth. 
but our reward is in heaven. And then we looked at the importance of our influence. You know, we do not live to work. You know, we work so that we might live. And so we looked at the fact that God provides for us um, while we're here. Our purpose is to point other people to Christ. In this fallen, broken, messed up world, we'll find evil. But we're to be salt and light to people. We're to help others to understand the hope that we have discovered within ourselves in Christ. We're to help them to be able to discover that as well. And so we're to be salt and light in this world. And then when it comes to prayer, we're not to pray like the world, putting on a big show. Hey, look at me, I'm praying. We're to, we're to go into our closet and pray to our heavenly Father in heaven. And then when we're fasting, we're not to put on a big show for the world. Oh, I'm hungry, I'm fasting. Look at me, I'm so spiritual. You know, when you're fasting, nobody should know about it. It's something that's between you and your Father. And we pray with a heart that desires to want to know more about God and His presence as we seek um, that kingdom of heaven. And then last week, we looked at our treasure. We talked about the fact that we're not to be accumulating wealth for ourselves. Our goal in this life is not the accumulation of wealth. Christians are not in the collection and spectator business. This is, not, this is not a game. We're talking about the eternal destiny of people, where they're going to spend that based on our ability to communicate with them and share with them the hope that we have in Christ. We exist to make disciples, but we exist to reach our community for Christ. There's people that need to desperately hear about Jesus, and we exist to do that. So that's what our focus is, as we help others to be able to seek the kingdom of heaven as we use our time, our talents, our gifts, and our resources to accomplish all that God has for us together. Today we're in uh, chapter 6 of of Matthew, and we're looking at overcoming anxiety. We're looking at overcoming anxiety. Jesus says this, he says this, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. And so Jesus encourages us to not be anxious about our life. And so he starts with this sentence. And so I want to back up for a second. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious. And so I want you to, I want to invite you to do something with me. We just want to invite you to to clap your hands. Ready? Okay. One, two, three, clap. Okay. When I say therefore, clap, therefore, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in a passage, you need to stop. And you need to ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? The word therefore is an important word. Jesus is trying to take the full weight of everything that he has been teaching. That therefore takes everything, brings it all forward. I've been teaching you. You've been in the series now for almost five, five weeks. And everything that Jesus has taught up to this point comes forward right here to this therefore. As a result of everything that I've been telling you, as a result of everything that you've been listening to for the last several weeks, it all comes to a head right here. Therefore, I tell you, yeah, good job. <laughs> you guys get extra points. In fact, you guys get extra points for being here. This nine o'clock service, did anybody else have a hard time losing that hour? I set my clock an hour ahead too soon. I thought, I thought Friday was Saturday. My wife woke up, she woke up Saturday. She's like, what did you do? I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I went to bed early. Uh, in fact, if you're here this morning, um, just as a treat, if you will email me, uh, my email address is rwillard, well, my last name, it's on the website as well, email me that you were here this morning, and I'm going to give you a coupon for a free cup of coffee at our cafe. <laughs> so thanks for being here this morning. <laughs> and you're listening, I said, therefore, and everybody clapped. You know, we're just going to keep doing that. So every time you hear therefore, clap. 
<laughs> Therefore, as a result of everything that I've told you, do not be anxious. Command. It is a command. It's not a suggestion. He is commanding us not to be anxious. Based on everything that I've been teaching you, the blessing, the influence on prayer, on fasting, based on everything that I've been teaching you, don't be anxious. If you have a relationship with Christ this morning and you're feeling anxious, stop it. It's a command. We're, it, we know that there's things that happen in life, but we are not to be anxious about that because we know that we serve a God that loves us and cares about us and has a plan for our life. Anxiety is a choice, and you can stop it. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you should be anxious because we're going to spend eternity somewhere based on what we've done with our relationship with Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have that assurance. That's anxiety producing. But if you do have a relationship with Christ, you have trusted God with your life. He says, don't be anxious. Now, that sounds good, but we do get anxious, don't we? <laughs> some anxiety is healthy and some of it's not. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But where does anxiety come from? Where does anxiety come from? It comes from asking unhealthy questions about what if. Well, what if? Well, what if? Well, what if? It actually creates worry. And some, sometimes asking that question is good. You know, asking the question, what if, is good. In fact, it's, it's a good problem-solving question. I don't know if you've got kids or grandkids. Has anybody heard of stinky and dirty? Anybody seen that? Nobody. Raise your hand if you're ever thinking dirty. If you're watching online, say, I've heard of Stinky and Dirty. Okay, it's really a funny, it's a funny show. My grandkids, my, my, my grandchild, I've got, well, one of them is too young to know what's going on. But my grandson, Ezra, loves this show. And plus, I love saying it. Stinky and Dirty just sounds like a fun show, doesn't it? They do this little game. You know, Stinky is a, uh, he's a, uh, he is the garbage truck. And then you've got Dirty as the, the construction tractor. And so, you know, Dirty is always walking around finding problems with things. And then, and then sure enough, um, Stinky will come in and say, well, hey, let's do this. So, you know, what if we did this? And so problem solving. What if? What if we use this log to build the bridge? What if we use this bag and filled it full of water? And so he's asking problem solving questions. And so sometimes asking what if is healthy. In fact, in fact, we're... My, my daughter is potty training uh, Ezra, and so, you know, he's learning to use the toilet, and so he's still trying to navigate that. So I was watching him last week, and so we're sitting in there, and we're watching the show, and so I said, hey, what if Ezra went to the bathroom on the toilet and got some M&Ms? <laughs> His whole face lit up. And you know what he did? He went in there, he went to the bathroom on the toilet, like, yeah, good job, man. And so sometimes asking what if is healthy. There are healthy times for us to be able to ask what if if it's problem solving. But there's also unhealthy what if. Unhealthy what if leads to fear and anxiety. What if asks questions when there's not a problem? What if, in an unhealthy way, does not have a problem that it's trying to solve? Unhealthy what if doesn't fix problems. It actually creates problems that don't exist. The bottom line is unhealthy what if questions are a reflection of not trusting God and, and leads to fear and anxiety. You know, what if, what if I get sick? You know, what if I die? What if I lose my job? What if I don't get this job? 
What if I can't pay my bills? You know, what if I don't have enough money? What if gas goes up to $8 a gallon? You know, what if, what if, what if? Those are, those are, those are asking questions when there's not a problem that you're trying to create. There's scenarios where you're actually creating a problem and you're creating anxiety for yourself. And so sometimes when we ask what if, it's unhealthy. You know, I got anxious just making a list of things that can cause anxiety. It was, it was really interesting as I look back on my own life. I was thinking this past week, hey, I'm getting ready to teach on anxiety. You know, physician heal itself. I mean, there's things that cause me anxiety as well. But the real question is, is what are we asking the questions for? What's the purpose? Are we, are we really trying to solve a problem? Or are we just creating problems for ourselves? You know, this idea of overcoming anxiety is rooting in our understanding the sovereignty of God. Jesus says, therefore, snap out of it. Snap out of it. Don't be anxious. And if you brought your Bible with you, uh, turn with me for a moment to chapter 6, and let's read verses 25 through 30 together. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, yeah, good job. I, 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 need, I, need, I can't put my Bible down, so. Don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? You know, look at the birds of the air. They neither either sow nor they reap nor they don't gather into barns, and yet their heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Are you not more important than they are? And which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God closes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow will be thrown into the oven, how he will not much more clothe you, O you of little faith. And so Jesus is challenging us to think about the reality of God's provision for us. The fact that we don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. You need to know that God loves you and cares about every single detail of your life. Before creation, God knew he was going to create you. Before you were born, God formed you in the womb. He has predestined you and numbered the days of your life. God created you in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God has created us to walk in. God loves you and cares about every single detail. And summarizing that verse, just looking at the birds of the air, think about the birds. Are they not more important to God than you are? I looked out my window this morning. I was watching all the little birds. It's cold outside. They're out there eating grass. And, you know, and I'm thinking, man, God, God's taking care of them. They don't even know it. Am I not much more important than those birds? Last week, I was driving, uh, I was driving from Woodstock, Dead back down home. And uh, I was driving and there was a dove in the ground. He was in the middle of the road. And I'm like, I'm like there's cars coming the other way. I'm looking at this dove. And I'm thinking, move, little guy. Doves don't move very fast. <laughs> I don't know. They just, they walk. I don't know. So I put on my brakes. I tried to slow down. There was cars behind me. There was cars coming out in front of me. And there was no, there was no shoulder over there. And I was like, oh, he better move. And he didn't move. And poof, feathers went everywhere. I was like, oh, gosh. I know. It was so sad. It was so sad because I'm just thinking, oh, <laughs> Accidents happen sometimes too. But God knows that these birds are valuable. He provides for them. But this is a fallen and broken world. And, you know, sometimes things happen. 
You know, but God cares about us. I was thinking about that poor little bird. I thought about him all week. You know, but then I, I was so encouraged because I looked out the back door and I saw the other birds eating and I thought, okay, God does take care of the birds. But accidents happen. You know, what about clothing? Lilies in the grass, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Well, God not, how much more will he close you? You know, that array, you know, array means to arrange in a field. And, you know, I, uh, our kids were all born in Texas. Two of them were in El Paso. So we were in El Paso, Texas for a while. And, and uh, El Paso has this poppy field that takes over the side of the mountains. And so my wife and I used to take the kids up and go look at these poppy fields. And it was so fun because you'd, you'd look up at the top of the mountain. It's the summer. It's the desert. In the middle of this desert, side of these mountains, all these poppies. And we'd sit out there and the sun would come up. And it was like, it is so gorgeous. I mean, it was so beautiful. And so we, we got pictures of it, you know, and, but, but you think about this, when you look at these beautiful sunrises, these beautiful sunsets, and you think about the landscape and the flowers, and it's like, you know, that, that's God's creation. How much more will God not care about you and clothe you? And so we're talking about birds in the air, our, his provision for us, our, our food, our shelter, our clothes, everything. God, God cares about every single detail, every detail of our life, and he cares about us, even your very life. God cares about your days are numbered. Which one of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour, one single day of span, can add anything to your life? You can't. You know, our days are pre-numbered. It's appointed once for man to live and then to die. You know, I'm numbering my days. Today is 21,834 days. I've been alive as of today. So take your birth date, you know, back up to today, subtract, divide by 365, you know. Psalm 90.10 says that you get 70, maybe 80 years. And so we need to live our life out in light of eternity. And so I'm constantly asking, what does God have for me to do today? None of us is guaranteed tomorrow, right? I mean, we could have an accident. If you're a dove, get on the road. <laughs> you know, we can't do anything to add a single hour to our lifespan. And so are you feeling anxious this morning? You know, what are some of the things that cause you anxiety? Jesus says, are you feeling anxious? Where is your faith? Do you not know that God loves you, has a plan for you, will provide for you, will take care of you? Where is your faith? Oh, you of little faith. He's encouraging us to reflect on the reality of who God is. And fear and anxiety and tension, those are all major discussion points in our lives right now. There's a lot going on. So I want to make some general observations about overcoming our fear and our anxiety. How do we overcome fear and and anxiety. And we need a balanced, cautious approach as we look at how to apply this passage to our lives. And so this morning, I want to invite you to think about three different types of people. Three different types of people. This is an oversimplification, but for the most part, we will all probably fall into one of these three categories. The first person would be somebody that you would consider happy, you know, cheerful, carefree, not anxious about anything. In fact, some people might call them irresponsible. <laughs> They're just no problems. Everything's good, right? And then there's a second type of person, and they are hyper-responsible. They take everything seriously. They are easily excitable about events. Just everything causes them to be thrown into anxiety. And then you've got the third person that's maybe well-balanced, disciplined, not excitable, for the most part, even keeled, but maybe has something going on in their life, maybe a serious health concern, maybe some kind of an issue going on in their life that they're trying to figure out how to make sense about. 
Now, there's an oversimplification, so maybe you can see yourself in one of those categories. Maybe you, it's easier to put somebody else in a category, right? So it's not just those three. But as we read this passage about not being anxious, we're all going to have a different response to the command don't to be anxious. You know, the first person is going to think to themselves, well, I'm not anxious. I don't know why everybody else is anyway. Everybody else, I've always thought people were, were wound too tight. Everything's good. And so the first person will read through that and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not anxious about anything. You know, the second person might say, you know, I, I know I shouldn't worry, but, I, but I, I just can't help it. You know, something pops into the life and they just can't help it, overspells. And in fact, if you try to lean into the fact and tell them they shouldn't be worrying, they'll, they'll start to worry about why they're worrying, right? We just get tripped up. And they'll read a passage like that and they'll think, oh, you know, there's maybe some sense of um, just rebuke in that. Hey, don't be anxious. And then the third person is going to read through that and say, yeah, I understand that. That makes sense. I know what you're thinking, but you have no idea what I'm going through. It's really easy for you to tell me not to be anxious because you don't know what I'm going through. And so when we read a passage like that, every one of us is going to have a different response to how we react. And and God's got something different for each of us based on our circumstances in our lives. And so what you need to hear might be a little bit different than what somebody else needs to hear. And so God speaks to us in a different way. Ultimately, we're pointing everybody to the kingdom of heaven. But as we apply these words to our life, it's going to look different based on our circumstances. That first person that thinks everything's great, that's just carefree, might need to hear about the importance of self-sacrifice, about serving others, about commitment. You know, if you're feeling really carefree and you're not feeling any anxiety, try sharing your faith about Christ with somebody at work. You know, try, think about your commitment to Christ and what does that look like in your life? What does your calendar look like? Are you making time? Are you investing in other people? Do you know your gifts? Are you involved in serving in ministry? Are you sharing Christ with anybody else? Are you involved in a small group? Are you, are you self-sacrificing your life and putting yourself in a position to be empathetic to the people around you? Probably not. And so the first person is going to read this anxiety passage and think, well, I'm not anxious, but they need to hear that they need to step out in faith because there are some things to be anxious about in this world. You know, that second person that's struggling needs to hear about the greatness of God, the sovereignty of God, that God is in control, and understand the importance of prayer and accountability and discipleship. The things that are causing you anxiety, have you written those down? Have you prayed about them? Have you searched Scripture? Have you looked at what the Bible has to say? Do you trust God, or are you really that concerned in a sense that it's causing you to be anxious? And so that second person needs to hear about discipline and accountability and the greatness and the power of God. And that third person would need to hear about the importance of being in biblical community, being in biblical community where they can get encouragement and support. Maybe they need to be open and vulnerable and transparent and share with other people what's going on in their lives so that other people can pray and encourage them and support them. And they need to let people in. And so when the, when the Bible says, don't be anxious about your life, each one of us has to think about what does that mean in my life? And I can't answer that question for you. And so as I was trying to develop this idea of what does it mean to not be anxious, I was wrestling with the application piece of this. And I I realized it depends on what's going on in your life as to how you will apply it. But the one constant theme in this is that we need to, whatever we do, be focused on the kingdom of heaven. 
That's the message for each one of us as we think about how to apply this passage to our life, regardless of your circumstances and how you would respond to the, the command to not be anxious. Depends on your circumstances, but the common thread for all of us is no matter what's going on in your life, keep the kingdom of heaven as a priority. Keep your eyes focused on Christ. That's the common thread for overcoming anxiety is to, is to put him first and to, and to keep your eyes on him. And there's sometimes where an anxiety really is a healthy thing. Anxiety is healthy when it moves you to take action. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, apart from other things, there is daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And so the Apostle Paul feels anxiety for the churches. And it's healthy because you know what that anxiety moved him to do? Is to take action. He, he sacrificially served and he put himself in a position to be available for other churches. And his entire life was a series of missionary journeys trying to reach other communities for Christ, trying to invest in the leadership of the churches, trying to grow and build up and strengthen the body of Christ. He was a missionary, and his anxiety moved him forward to do something about it. It's problem-solving anxiety. And when you are feeling a sense of anxiety, if it moves you to take action, if there's nothing you can do about it, then don't worry about it. But if there's something you can do, then it's healthy. If there's something that you can't do, then it's not healthy. And so there's a sense that there's some anxiety that is healthy. Asking this what if question, if it moves you to, to, to take action and, and God's in it, and you have a sense of the Holy Spirit leading, then, then it is healthy. But then there's anxiety that just flat out is unright, unhealthy. In fact, it can be a sign of unbelief and disobedience and sinful. You know, we looked at this passage in uh, Mark last, last weekend, and uh, but today I want to look at this passage in Matthew 13. As, as for what was sown among the thorns, talking about God's word, it, it went out. Some people hear it. Some people respond to it. Some people ignore it. As for what was sown about the good news, the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the richness will choke it out. And it proves unfruitful. And so it applies to our treasures as we think about not being distracted by the riches of this world, but the cares of this world if they are a distraction for us, are a reason for us to question our faith. It is unfruitful. And so unhealthy anxiety is unfruitful. When we're choked out by the cares of this world, then we haven't sought what, what God has for us in it, and we don't have accountability with people around us about you know, what God's doing, and we're not talking to other people about it. And so there's an unhealthy anxiety that just needs to stop. You know, the cares of this world, they are genuine. You know, if you've lost someone or you've had a major tragedy in your life, there's been a significant trauma in your life causing anxiety, you know, you you need some help with that. And so we exist to help you. You know, at Springbrook, we have 25, 25 counselors available to us. We've got four counseling agencies and every agency has got a list of counselors. And so sometimes we just need help with people how how to process through what we're going through. You know, we've got a pastoral staff, we've got our small groups, we've got our small group leaders, we, we care for one another, we're, we pray for one another. Sometimes we need to get professional help. And it's okay to say, hey, I, I need to see a counselor. I've really got something I'm struggling with, and I just can't get over it. Can you please send me a list of your counselors? So if you, if you need help with that, if you would like to see a counselor, all you have to do is let me or Pastor Joseph or Pastor Matt know. Say, hey, uh, I know Pastor Richard mentioned you have some counselors. I'd like to see a counselor, and we'll help you find a counselor. Sometimes we need help. 
at a professional level. And that's okay. You know, if you're struggling, you know, with some, uh, you know, some hurt in your life, I've got a resource available for you. It's out at the ministry center counter. It's a book called Hope When Your Heart Is Breaking. Uh, you can get it online, or we've got some copies at the ministry center. I think like, like $10. Yeah, but we need to help each other. You know, reading through, reading through the Bible, and so I love this because it looks at what does the Bible have to say about these areas. When we look to God and we look to His Word, God will give us what we need to to get through what we're going through. God will give us what we need to get us through what we're going through. And so when we focus on Him, that's the source for overcoming our anxiety. And we just need to ask God to increase our faith. God, I just need you to increase my faith. I'm not sure what you're doing here. It's not the way I would do it, but God, show me what you want to do. And every one of us needs to ask God for increased faith. That's one of the, that's one of the solutions for overcoming fear and anxiety. It's one of the things that we can do to set ourselves up so that we don't get anxious. We need to ask God to increase our faith. If things are good in your life right now, ask God to increase your faith to enable you to engage and reach a broken world. If things are going good for you, ask God to increase your faith, to share the hope that you have in Christ with others. Share your testimony with somebody. Talk to somebody about God's faithfulness in your life. Ask God to increase your faith so that he can use you to be a part of reaching others for Christ. You know, God did not call you into a relationship with yourself so that you could enjoy it by yourself. We've been creating Christ Jesus to do the work that God has prepared for us in advance to do. And a part of that work is telling others about the hope of Christ. And so if things are good in your life, praise God for it. If you don't praise God for it, then you're taking credit for it yourself. And so if things are going good, ask God to increase your faith to engage a lost, broken world. If things are not good in your life right now, then ask God to increase your faith to trust him. You know, enable him to put him first in your life. God, I need more of a sense of your Holy Spirit in my life so that so I can not be anxious about the things that are going on in my life. Ask God to increase your faith so that you can increase your trust and your, and your faith in him and find peace. You know, our peace is not from the things of this world. If you look outside and you're anxious about things that are happening outside, so am I, but guess what? That world is going to cause us to have fear, anxiety. There's, there's, there's trials, there's tri- it's a mess out there. Jesus says, I came to give you peace. Our peace is in him. And so if you're feeling anxious, ask God to increase your faith so you can have an increasing sense of his presence in your life. You know, maybe you're stuck. You know, maybe you're stuck and you're just trying to figure it out and you need to ask God to give you an increased faith so you can experience the hope and the power and all the things that God promises us in your life. You know, Hebrews 10 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near, all of us, regardless of what's going on in our life, need to draw near to that throne of grace. All of us need increased faith. And if we want to overcome fear and anxiety, if we want to prevent that from happening in our life, it begins by asking God for increased faith. The second thing that we can do is we can put God first in everything. We need to put God first in everything. Continue on in that verse, beginning in verse 31, it says this, therefore, therefore, do not be anxious. There we go. Therefore, therefore, in light of everything I just said, therefore, therefore, I'm bringing it all forward. Therefore, because what I just said, don't be anxious saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? The Greeks, the Gentiles seek after those things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I just told you, you are more important than the birds of the air. 
You are more important than the grass of the field. I will provide for every one of your needs. I am in control of every single aspect of your life. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. If you're running around like that, then you are no different than those people that don't have a relationship with Christ. I mean, if you're running around going, what about this? What about this? That's what the Gentiles are doing. They seek after those things. Is your relationship with Christ not changed you in any way that people can't tell the difference between you and somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Christ? Jesus says, don't do that. The Gentiles are seeking after those things. Your heavenly father knows everything that you need and will provide those. You are secure in who you are in Christ Jesus. If there is something that you lack, your heavenly father knows you need them, turn to him, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and he will add those things to your life. And there's a difference between wants and needs. And so we live in a consumer-driven society right now. We, we want all kinds of things. But when you get down to the bottom line of what you need, God will provide what you need. If we are focused on him. If you have a relationship with Christ, act like it. There's a lack of uncompromising trust that God requires of us. Uncompromising trust is what God requires of us. It's a personal affront to him when we, when we don't trust him. It's an affront to him and to the Christian faith when we run around acting like the pagans and the non-Christians. It's an affront to those. It affects our witness. When we're not any different than the world, then why would somebody want what we have? There should be something different about our living out our faith. And there's warnings throughout the scripture of not living that way. In Matthew uh, 15, Jesus would come to write, there's, he says this, there's people that honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, they claim to have a relationship with Christ, but they don't act like it. In Titus, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable. They're disobedient. They're unfit for any good work. When your witness does not point somebody to Christ, you are unfit for the work that God has for you. There should be something different about who we are. And part of that has to do with how we respond to the things that are happening around us. If Christ is in you, you need to be different. We need to put our worship first. We need to put God first in our lives. And we need to encourage one another as we gather together. Hebrews 10 24 says this, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet each other as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? I mean, seriously, when you look around, I think, oof, this it? The more you see the day approaching, the more you should be stirring one another up towards faith and good works. You know, we, we have been created to, to be together, to encourage one another as we worship God. There's something important about what we're doing together this morning. And it doesn't matter whether you're in person or you're online. We are together, the body of Christ. We're submitting ourselves to God's word. We're worshiping him, and we're doing it together and encouraging one another. And that helps us to be able to overcome our anxieties. There's something good about when we come together. It just says, ah, oh, it it's good to be here. First Peter says that, we have been called to be holy. He who has called you to be holy, you should also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you should be holy for I am holy. There should be something different about us. You know, we need, to, we need to encourage one another as we live that out. We need to ask God for increased faith. And we need to put God first in all things. And then we need to focus on today. Because tomorrow will take care of itself. 
you know, we need to focus on today. The end of that verse says, don't eat, be anxious. Therefore, thank you, thank you. Therefore, therefore, everything I've told you, you know, everything I've told you leading up to this point, Everything I've told you about the fact that I love you, I care for you, I've got the days you're numbered. Therefore, because I've told you, because I've told you that you need to be live, live different in the world because of all this, it all gets summarized on this one passage. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble, <laughs> right? Sufficient for today is its own trouble. We need to be thinking about what we need to do today. What does this day look like? What does God have for me today? How do I live my life out today in light of who I am in Christ and the position that God's put me in? How do I make God a priority today? Don't worry about tomorrow. And that's hard. I'm going to be honest with you because, because I'm already thinking and praying about Easter, Palm Sunday. You know, we've got Palm Sunday coming. We've got Good Friday coming. You know, I'm trying to, you know, our, our pastoral team's thinking about, hey, what are we be teaching on this summer? Oh, you're going on vacation? Oh, when are you going on vacation? I am, I, I, uh, I, I, I like to focus on today, but sometimes that causes problems for people that needed to know I'm not going to be here in two weeks, <laughs> right? And so there's this fine balance. This does not alleviate us of the responsibility to plans. And so we need to make plans for tomorrow. You know, if we're going on a family vacation, there's 12 of us going on vacation at the end of this month, and my family's all trying to make plans, and we're making plans, and I'm, I'm getting anxious. It's like, oh my gosh, who's driving, who's flying, where are we stand, where are we going to eat? You, Coordinating schedules for 12 people has anxiety producing. But you know what? We've stepped back. I've got one of my daughters that's like, hey, let's just be praying about it. You know, what's God to have for us together? Let's look forward to spending time together. We have to make these plans, but don't be anxious about it. And so there's enough to worry about today. And so today I need to be focused on making a plan for what God has for me tomorrow. There's no need to be anxious about it. Make the plan today. Problem solve. Put it into action. Do something with it. Make it healthy. You know, make a priority list for yourself today. If you were going to write down everything that you needed to work on today, what needs to be on that list? Well, I need to wake up. I need to do a devotion. I need to set my clock ahead. You know, I need to work on, I need to think about what I'm doing tomorrow. So make a plan, write it out. When you write it out, it just takes away that anxiety because then you've got something, you've got a list that you can, you can lift up to the Lord and say, God, is this what you would have me doing? You know, don't worry about tomorrow. King Solomon, who wrote the Ecclesiastes, uh, was a seeker on a quest for the meaning and the purpose of life. And so he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. In the end, he concluded that all of life was meaningless. <laughs> he did everything there was to do. He tried everything there was to try. He ate everything there was to eat. He bought everything there was to, to buy. He, I mean, he did it all. And then he worked his life over and he was far from God and he fell into sin. And even in, he did that wrong. He, did, he took everything that there was to do to the max in life, seeking for purpose. And at the end of the whole book comes to the, the point that life is meaningless, that this world is messed up. This world's messed up. And, and he came to the conclusion that our real priority should be on the kingdom of heaven. And he writes this in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, of making many books, there is no end. There is no end to what we can learn. There's no end to knowledge, what we can learn. And the more this world population grows, the more people there are, the more people are writing books. I get emails all the time. Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? I'm like, yeah, I thought about writing a book. The world does not need another book. We don't need any more books. And how much study is, is, is a weariness of the flesh. You know, it's like, well, I need to study a little bit more before I share my faith. No, you don't. 
There's nothing to study. If you have a relationship with Christ and you know who he is and what he's done in your life, you're called to be a witness. You want to study, that's great, but it doesn't hold you back. There's no end to study. I've been in pastoral ministry for uh, over 20 years, and you know what? I still study, and there's still things that I want to know. And every time, every time I look at something, it's like, oh, I want to know more about that. I, I had a hard time leaving seminary because I was like, oh, there's so much to learn here. And then I realized, wow, well, I'm sitting here learning, and my next-door neighbor is going to hell, doesn't have the assurance of Christ. Nobody around me had a relationship with Christ. And so I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm filling myself up with more and more knowledge. And God just convicted me that you know enough to be faithful to do what I've called you to do. Go do it. There is no end to the number of books that can be written or read. There's no end to how much we can study. The end of the matter, all has been heard. There's nothing new that you have to say. There's nothing new to learn. There's nothing new to say. There, it's, it's all been heard. He comes to this conclusion. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This should be our focus. For God will bring everything, every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. God is sovereign. God is in control. And at the end of the day, don't get hung up by the day. Focus on God. Keep his commandments. That is the duty of man. We need to keep our eyes focused on the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It's about keeping our eyes focused on the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is constantly contrasting the world versus the, versus the kingdom of heaven. And you have to ask yourself, which one is going to be your focus? This is a challenging sermon because it forces us to think about how we're living our lives out. And that's what this series was designed to do, is to help us to be reminded of keeping our eyes focused on the kingdom of heaven. We are praying that the Holy Spirit would fill us, that we would experience life transformation, that we would experience life change, that there'd be something different about us than the world. And so we started out with the encounter, praying more about the Holy Spirit working in our life. And as we move through this series, it's designed to help us to think about how to just step a little lightly in this world and step a little bit more firmly in the reality of heaven. And so there's some key principles as we go through this series, as we go through this year. There are key principles that are important to us from a ministry perspective that are, that are unwavering, that guide us in why we exist and what we do. My wife tells me all the time, I, you repeat yourself a lot. I said, well, only when it's really important. <laughs> Luciano... Pavarotti. I died in 2007, and I don't know where I was uh, when I heard about that. And, and uh, my, my whole family, all my girls are musicians, and I like to sing, but I just never had the discipline for it. And so, but part of me has always been somewhat attracted to the mus- you know, musicians and that kind of thing. But when he died, one of the things that stood out for me was there was an article on his life that said that he would practice singing the most basic of scales, seven or eight times a day. And this is one of the greatest opera singers of all time. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. He'd wake up singing that seven or eight times a day. was constantly keeping the main thing the main thing. And that enabled him to be one of the best opera singers in the world. Singing those scales kept him in tune. It kept him focused. How much more should we as believers stay focused? Practicing and putting the main things in place. We need to keep the main things the main things. Christy Hart 
died the same year that Pavarotti died. She was an opera singer on Broadway, game show host. To tell the truth, I don't remember that. I was a little bit younger. She's quoted as saying, I work and I work, and the more I work, I go to the piano every day and I practice. So the more I have to do, the more I practice. The more that's got going on in my life, the more I need to pray. The more I got going on in my life, the more I better be in the Bible. There's something about putting the basics into place and sticking with those things that helps us to be effective. I know how to play the piano, but I still practice my scales for a half an hour every single day. And so if you can imagine walking into these homes of these professionals, they're just sitting there singing do re mi. Well, I would have expected Pop Riley to be doing something more than singing do re mi. I bet he was really good at it. I bet it sounded really good, huh? They both died in the same year, and so I don't know where I was, but both of those quotes have always stood out for me. I mean, it's just kind of been a, wow, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. And so sometimes when I repeat myself, it's like, wow, you said that already. Wow, you got to say, are you really going to say this? Is this really what you're going to do every single week? Yeah, probably, because I'm going to keep the main things the main things. I want to tell you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, step one is get in the chair. (laughs) You don't have a relationship with Christ or you're not clear about your faith story, we want to help you with that. You know, we want to help people understand the, the full assurance. You can't overcome anxiety without it. In fact, even if you have it, you need to be in relationships with others so you can encourage one another. Get in the chair. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, step one. If you're not connected to the local body of Christ, then how can we, if you're not connected, then we, we can't encourage you. And so some, some of you might be sitting here online or in person, get in that first chair if, that, if, if that's your next step. And so when you're listening to this, you think, okay, this sounds really good, Pastor Rich, but what do I do with it? Understand your need for a relationship with Christ. Share your faith. It was so much fun talking to Brent before he got baptized. It's like, tell me a little bit about your faith story. I love hearing people's faith stories. You have a story. Share it with somebody. If you've got kids, do your kids know your faith story? If you've got friends and coworkers at work, do they know your faith story? Do they know you're a Christ follower? Does anybody look at your life and say, wow, there's something different about that person? Get into that first chair and make sure you're clear about your faith story. And then after your faith story, you, you grow, you start getting connected, you're, you're growing spiritual maturity and stature and faith, and, and small groups are an important part of how we help people grow. And Pastor Matt's got the How to Study the Bible workshop coming up, and if you haven't registered for that, it's getting ready to close, it's eight weeks, eight weeks, man, that's a long time. It is, it's eight weeks long. But at the end of it, you're going to be better equipped to study and read the Bible. And so that's a growth step. You know, every believer's got a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, and then and we're called to live missionally, and so every one of us has got a has, got a, has a step that we can take as we think about, hey, what does this look like in my life? I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, wherever you are, uh, let us help you uh, get your questions answered. Let us help you take that next step. If you're watching online with us, there's an online connection card, and you can click that uh, online connection card. Please let us know you're with us. Just say, hey, you know, I was here, and uh, I know it's kind of a pain. Do I have to click that every week? Yeah. Sometimes we know you're here because you make a comment. You know, sometimes those connection cards are useful because they also give you an opportunity to share your prayer requests. They give you an opportunity to let us know how we can help you take a next step. You've got that communication card on your chair. It's an opportunity for you to let us know how we can help you take a step. And so whatever that step is, you know, I just pray that you would allow us to enable you to experience more of the power and presence of Christ in your life. And so that's, we're going to finish up this next series. We've got Easter coming. And uh, we know that God's got some great things in store for us. I'm glad that you were with us today. I pray that you were encouraged, um, that you've been able to take something uh, from our teaching today that will apply it to your life 
that will overcome any anxiety you might be experiencing or maybe it will save you from anxiety uh, tomorrow. Would you pray with me? Hey, Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And um, God, I just thank you for your word. Uh, God, I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And um, God, I just uh, I picture Jesus sitting on the mountainside talking to the disciples, and I long for the day where I can sit with you and be in your presence like that. Uh, God, just give us a, a preferred vision of the future. Uh, God, we look forward to heaven. Uh, God, we know that's a reality uh, for us, but we also have to uh, live in this world, and so I pray that you would continue to strengthen us. Uh, God, help us to be in the world, not of it. Um, I look forward to all that you have for us. We commit this day to you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll join us in worship, if, if you can stand, if you're able, we would love to have you uh, worship with us again.
Thank you for being with us today. Let's be like stinky and dirty. Let's ask good, healthy, what if questions. What if God wants you to experience more of his presence in your life? What would that look like? You know, what if God has great things in store for you and your family, in your community, in your workplace? What would that look like? I hope that you were encouraged today. Hey, we're going to be celebrating Palm Sunday and Easter coming up in three and four weeks. We've got a special Good Friday service we're playing on right now. I just want to encourage you that if you've downloaded our app, you've got some information for it there. It's on our website. It's on our Facebook page. I want to encourage you to be praying with me now that God would use us to connect with our community in a fresh new way as we ask the question, what if God has something for us in connecting with our community? So be sure to like those events, share them with your friends. Uh, More importantly, be praying that the Spirit of God would go before us as we prepare our hearts and minds uh, for this great celebration. Thanks for being with us today. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.